Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So I was thinking about um, a story that actually I shared with uh, Jack Harris and um, Tim Svoboda last week when uh, we were together, and it was just an interesting story that when Tori and I were in Los Angeles, um, there was, uh, at the ministry we were, you know, helping in, they had an international student dinner that they invited all the international students from the campus of USC to come and be a part of, and, and uh, so we had connection with lots of international students. We would sit there and talk to them and just share about God and all these different things. And um, I had a conversation with uh, a young guy from India. And I was like, hey, I've been to India whenever I was younger. And he was like, no way. And we had this like cool conversation and we we're talking. And it's like, what did you do? And so I was telling him and I said, you know, one of the things that we did was went to a colony where people with leprosy are because they have them, you know, separated so that other people aren't contracting and, and they're separated from people. And he's like, no, 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 there's not people with leprosy anymore. And I was like, well, no, there is. He's like, well, I've, I've never heard that. I didn't know that. And I came to realize that he, you know, he was in the United States at university. And so, you know, he was from a family that was wealthy, which is great, but he had no idea some of the things that were in his own nation, you know, and, and some of the things in the world that were there, but he just had no idea. And that leads me to, um, I guess, what I want to talk about. And I feel like um, so many times we get to the place where we feel like we know everything, and especially when you're teenagers, by the way. Um, and we think like we know you know, all this stuff, and we know what's going on, we know everything in the world, but we don't realize we're missing even the simplest things. And um, so I wanted to share with you a couple of statistics. And uh, it's estimated that of the seven plus billion people alive in the world, over three billion of them still live in unreached people groups. So you guys know what unreached people groups are? So it's not technically considered, um, oh, well, how would I say this? An unreached people group could have had somebody go and into that people group and minister and share about God and Jesus. But as far as the percentage of that people group, it means that a very, very small percentage of them has, has still been reached. So there's a large number that haven't even heard. But of those unreached people groups, they say that there's still 218 remaining unengaged, unreached people groups. And the, what that means is that there's still a good number of unreached people groups that have not actually ever even heard about Jesus, like never had anybody even come to talk to them. And I don't know about you, because I was like looking this up. I didn't know. I mean, I knew there were still some unreached people groups, people that, you know, that 
might have had some kind of interaction, but not many have heard or, or something like that. But still to me even, it said that there's over five, almost six million people that have never, ever, ever been reached. Like out there in places that are remote that have never had the chance or nobody has gone to them to speak to them, to them about Christ. So Matthew 28, in verse 16, it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And so in Matthew 28, you get and, uh, to this place where it's before Jesus is going to go up, be seated at the right hand of God, he's... he's getting ready to ascend to the throne to be our Lord and reign and rule. And the last things that he's going to tell us are important. In Mark 16, and it shares it this way, it says, Later he appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And I was thinking about this first part. I'm going to continue on. But this first part, and it says, you know, Jesus appeared to them. There was more, a few of them that had already seen Jesus. And they were telling everybody, he's risen, he's alive, and all this stuff. But there was still a great number of even the people that had followed him that didn't believe. And when he appeared, he rebuked them. Because of their hardness of heart. And they didn't believe even when somebody told them. So my first question is, how's your heart? How's your heart? This is something that, you know, I think dads even use this in some messages that, like, when our kids were uh, younger and they were having these crazy fits and screaming, you know, there was a few little tactics, you know, you try to pick up and learn and one was just like making them think about what is going on inside of them, you know? Instead of, you know, like, you don't want to argue with them. You want to just try to get them to think about what they're doing, you know? And so once you kind of get in this pattern, the kids realize, like, oh, they're wanting me to think about what I'm doing. But we would just say, hey, you're screaming. You're freaking out. How's your heart? You know, and it was something that they had to come to know. But how's your heart? Like, is your heart open to listening to what God is speaking? Or is it even soft enough to believe, to believe when somebody shares? And those are the things, and I know many of you here, you're like, yeah, it is, totally. But I hope to just dig down into this, these statements that Jesus made and, and just kind of open them up. And, and I want to, see, the thing is, is, Again, I feel like too many times we, we believe that we understand something. We believe that we know something. But in reality, you know, like, I believe in Christ. I'm, I'm talking to myself here right now. Like, I believe in God. He's my Lord and my Savior. But sometimes when I ask myself how my heart is, it doesn't feel like my heart's doing that great. 
I feel like my heart is hurting or I feel like it's getting a little hard because I've been going through something. You know, I don't, it feels like, hey, am I actually listening and, and going and doing when God is speaking to me? So how's your heart? And that's my first question. That's what his, really his first thing was, is to address their heart. Saying, listen, I've got so much to share with you. I've got so much for you to do. But first, let me just rebuke your unbelief and your hardness of heart. Because that's not going to go with what I am calling you to do. Your heart has to be pliable. It has to be soft. It has to be big and caring and loving. It has to care about people. It has to believe. Can you believe in what I'm telling you? So how's your heart? And in verse 18 it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All authority has been given to me. Second thing is, look, You know, this makes me even think about with, with the communion and what Pastor Rick was, was sharing and that hedge and us understanding and, and talking about Job and, and him not realizing. I mean, God saw it, the devil saw it, but Job didn't see it. You know? And in this statement, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he's speaking to us. And he says, all authority has been given to me. How much? All of it. Every single bit of it. Where? In heaven and in earth. It's like, is there anywhere that he doesn't have authority? No. Do we understand that he has all authority in heaven and earth? And these are those questions that, you know, like I was saying, with the communion and that understanding. We can know it or we can have that knowledge in our head, but is it truly down deep in our heart where it is just there and we know it and nothing can change it and nothing is going to come and knock us down because we know that he's got all authority in heaven and in earth, that nothing can stand because he has the authority. So then after this, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even to the end of an age. Another thing, there's the middle part, but then at the end he says, and not only do I have all authority in heaven and earth, but just remember this too, that I am with you. The one that has every bit of authority and power over everything, heavenly and on earth, is with you. How long? Forever. You know, it's, it's like these little things. I don't, I don't know why, but I just, like, things, like, just break apart in my mind sometimes whenever I'm reading it, or I guess I want it to, you know? Like, I want to really understand it. And sometimes when you read, and I do this all the time, especially because I feel like 
maybe it's the ADD or whatever. I read and then like the, the, you know, paragraph I just read, I was like, I don't, did I black out? I don't even remember that. You know, anybody else like that? So like I have to go slow and I have to like pull, like even pull the words apart. You know, I got to remember that word. I got to remember that word. And maybe that's why. I don't know. <laughs> but he says, I, he, God, Jesus Christ, the one that has all authority, every bit of it over heaven and earth, is with you. Who? You. If you're a you, it's you. <laughs> to the end of the age, forever. So then when we get back to this the crux of this, Scripture here, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you to do. So one of the things that I, that I think, I've loved this Scripture, and actually a fun little story, like, back before, you know there's like, bazillions of t-shirt companies, Christian t-shirt companies, and like, I don't know, like, you, have you not seen that? Maybe it's because I look at them, I don't know, but I see that there's like five million of them. But whenever, I, about 20 years ago or something, do you remember this? Like, I was like, I'm going to do a t-shirt company, it's going to be so cool, and you know, all this stuff. I was, look, it's one of those things, you don't do it right away, you, somebody else does it, and you've lost your chance, you know? <laughs> But one of the main things was this scripture. I love this scripture. Matthew 28, 19. Go and make disciples of all the nations. But who is he telling to go and make disciples of all the nations? And that's kind of what I want to talk a little bit about and break down. Because so many times I feel like we look at this scripture here and, and we say, oh yeah, that's awesome. But he's not talking about me. Because he said nations in there. And that word ethos that they use in there, it, it, does, it means people, groups. Sometimes it uses it as all those that aren't uh, Jewish people, the Gentiles, which is basically everybody else. So really it just means everybody. But we think of that word and think that like, man, this is a, this is a missions uh, scripture for those missionaries that are called out to the nations. And it is. It is. But it's not just that. Because you're in a nation. And you're called to a nation. You're, you're called to a people. And who is he talking to? He's talking to all of us. Every single one of us. All of our callings may not look the same, but they are the same. It's the same call. And it's to go. It's to do something. It's to talk about Jesus, to tell people about what you have come to know. In Romans 15, it's interesting that you have Paul here and he's traveling around and of course he's doing missions work and he's going from uh, country to country, he's, he's just doing it. And in this scripture, we see that, that he is not asking everybody to go. 
But he is asking everybody to help. In Romans 15, 24, it says, Whenever I journey to Spain, I shall come to you, for I hope to see you on my journey and to be helped on my way there by you. If first I may enjoy, he's like, look, I just want to enjoy your, I want to come see you and talk to you and hang out with you. And, and I want to go on to Spain, but I want to see you and, and be around you for a little while. But he doesn't say, and you have to go with me. Get out of your chair and go to a different country. But what he does say is, I want to be helped by you. I want you to help me do this thing that God has called me to do. So when we look at this scripture in Matthew 28, you've, you've got the call to missions, which some of you, yeah, you, are called to. And I even have seen it and heard it a little bit from some of you, which is super cool. Called to missions to actually go to another country to go and do some kind of missions work, maybe learn a different language, maybe go and, and, and even reach one of these. Can somebody please, I just I really bad want somebody here to go and, and minister to one of those unreached people groups that really haven't been reached at all. How awesome would that be? How awesome. But some are called. Some of us are called to go overseas, but all of us are called to share about who God is. Some are called to help financially, to send, to buy an expensive coffee, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you like those expensive coffees, don't you? Um, but we're all called to reach people. And that's one of those things that as I was thinking about it, man, like so many times I feel like here, like the United States is amazing, but it allows us to kind of sit back sometimes. There's so many churches and I'm not complaining about that. You know, sometimes churches get like, well, all other churches are bad and there should only be our church and everybody should come to our church. And I'm not like that. Pastor Rick was never like that. We need all the churches to work for the same call of God to, to minister to those in our city and in our nation and in the world. We need them all. Every single one of them. But there's so many churches that you can go to church, probably a different one for the rest of the year, somewhere around St. Louis. And you could be like, I'm going to church. Life is great. I came to church. But that's not actually what God has called us to do. He didn't say, go to church. Now come to church, please. <laughs> but that's not the great commission. That's not what he said. We come to church to get excited and to celebrate and to get to know each other and to build each other up and strengthen, each, encourage, pray for each other. 
That's why we do this. But the commission that God gave, that Christ gave to us, was not to come to church. It was to go and talk about who he is to the people that you meet. The call was to go and make disciples of the nations. To go and, and tell somebody about God. And not only that, help them to be strengthened in who he is. Like what, what's a disciple? It's, it's actually walking with somebody. When you make disciples, it's not... You've got to be careful here. Somebody... Because you know, some people get stuck on like, you know... I. I, I led 400 people to Christ today. That's great. What happened to them? What happened to them after that? And I'm not saying don't go out there winning souls and, and, and talking to people and helping them come to know Christ. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying our call isn't just to lead somebody through a, par- a prayer. It's to lead somebody through a, a, a strengthening and a walk with God and, and a teaching and a helping in a being there with them the next day and the next day and the next day. And helping them come to know him more, not just the first time and be like, peace. First Peter 2, starting in verse 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation. And this is speaking to every single one of us. And here's where we get to. There's missionaries that are sent out that have been and that are going to. That are going to be sent out to go to nations. Here in 1 Peter 2, 9, it says, but you are a chosen generation. Who? You. Again, if you're a you, it's you. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And so it's like sandwiched in here. It's like you're a chosen people and you didn't have that mercy before, but you have it now. You obtained his grace and his forgiveness and his healing and all these different things. And so in the middle, it tells us, what does that mean we should do? We should proclaim the praises of him who called us out of darkness. If you've been called out of darkness, you're probably going to say something about it. You know, if you've been saved, like, you, you know, I've almost drowned like five times. And it's, long story, I've told probably most of them or all of them different times. So I'm not going to tell them. But it's one of those things that, like, I don't know, the enemy's just trying to drown me. It's what it is. I'm not afraid of water, though, which is awesome, right? Because I got that hedge. I got that hedge around me. But I might just say those stories so much because I think it's so awesome that I was saved, you know? And I just, I'm thinking about, you know, whenever you're saved from something, whenever you've been brought out of the darkness, hey, it gets dark when you're going down in the water. When you come back up, 
even just swimming, not drowning, but like, I like water, I dive down, and it's kind of crazy when you start going down deeper and it gets darker and darker and darker. You guys are like, I've never been that, that deep. I have, it's awesome. But anyway, when you come back up to see that light coming into the water, and then you come back up to the, to the surface, and then all of a sudden there's air, and you can breathe, and it's so amazing, and there's life in your lungs, you're going to talk about it. That's what it's like. Because once we weren't alive, we didn't have that life in our lungs. Once it was dark and we didn't see that light, we didn't have that mercy. But we came up, and not because of our own doing, because of, but because of what Christ did for us. And now we have that mercy. So why would we not proclaim what he's done for us. That's what it's saying. It's like, look, we've been saved. We've been chosen. He's brought us into this family. So what are we supposed to do about it? We're supposed to talk about it. You know, you're like, I, I just don't know. I'm not supposed to be a preacher. I, I don't know if I can go to the mission field to speak a different language. It doesn't matter. Just talk about it. Yeah. To who? I don't know. To your mom. Talk about it to your neighbor. Talk about it to your coworker. It's a conversation. It's not, see, uh, it's not all about preaching a five-point message. It's about sharing how he called you out of that darkness and into the light. Who's going to go? Well, all of us are going to go. It just depends on where. And I think that's what we need to be asking God is, God, where am I supposed to go? Is it to work and proclaim? Is it to another city and proclaim? Or is it to another nation and proclaim? But God, where it's not, the question isn't whether we're supposed to talk about what he's done. The question is just where we're supposed to do it. Where am I going to do it? I think I'll just end with this. In John, you have Jesus and he's praying. He's praying for himself. He's praying for his disciples. He's praying for all of us that are going to come even after them. In verse 18 it says, Jesus is saying, as you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified. See, he's not, I just, he is asking us to be sanctified. For, for us to come to this place of sanctification and coming out of the darkness the stuff that might be holding us back from him and coming into healing and coming into restoration and, and, and being restored to him. He's asking us to do that, but he went through this process himself. Not that he did anything wrong, but he is leading us in it. Not that he sinned, but he did give, us, give himself up for us because we did. It says, I sanctify myself that they 
also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, just these disciples that I'm with. I don't, I'm not just praying for them, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. For every single other person that will ever come. I love that. I just, you know, you could say, oh, maybe he's just talking about the people that they particularly are going to talk to. He's not. Why would God do that? Why would, why would Jesus be speaking that? In everything, he is speaking from when he's speaking and for all of eternity. And he says, I, I'm not just praying for these, but I'm also praying for those who will believe because of their word. And how did they hear? How did we hear? Because of a word. How do people come to know God? It's because of a word. And who says that word? Remember, if you're a you, it's you. How do they hear that word? The question isn't whether you're supposed to speak the word. The question is, where are you supposed to speak the word? We're all called to share who he is. Amen? You stand up with me. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.